Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I am Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert, and I am here with my producer, Alex. I'm here. All-around good guy and uh, my partner in crime for uh, only Just trouble. Just yeah, trouble in general. Trouble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so thanks for coming, Alex. And I know um, we have a lot to talk about because it has been a busy crime week. So um, what are we going to do? We're going to play truth, truth, lies, and cover-ups. We could play truth, lies, and cover-ups. Okay. Now, it's true crime versus false crime. Mm-hmm. We still don't have a better name for that. We had asked for it in our in our last episode, which was our first rebranded official episode when mm-hmm. we changed the name to, I should say you changed the name to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups uh, from Fraud Busting with Tracy Brown. Mm-hmm. And we have introduced a new uh, crime quiz show <laughs> between Tracy and I, where I come up with some headlines of, uh, of uh, crimes that don't really sound believable, but some of them are true. Some of them are not true. We're calling it true crime versus false crime. We don't have a better name for that yet. We're waiting for you guys to come up with a better name for that. And uh, when you do come up with them, send your suggestions to Tracy at TracyBrown.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, Tracy at TracyBrown.com. Tracy with an I. Got it. Yeah, they can send them there. And hopefully we'll come up with a better name for this. But on to the quiz show. I've got some stories here. They're really just blurbs and excerpts uh, of news stories. Some I've made up completely. Others are actual stories. And let's see if Tracy can get them. Uh, Now, granted, there are no body language cues with any of this. And and I'm far too good to, well, she can't see me. So (laughs) I I can't give it away myself. Um, I'm covering my eyes on the video. Just because you cover your eyes doesn't mean I can't see you. (laughs) They've been telling me that since I was a kid. I still don't believe them. (laughs) A Baptist minister in Pinellas County, Florida, encouraged his congregation in July. Whoa, let's back up here. Pinellas County, Florida. You know where that is? That is in Florida. That's why I don't like you. So... (laughs) Pinellas County, that's like St. Pete, Tampa area, okay. uh, Bradenburg, something like that. But so uh, we're, we're, again, for the second time, last week we started this trend. We're going to continue. We're pretty much focusing on Southern states here. Last week we made fun of a lot of the, uh, made fun of Alabama in a lot of different ways. And this week we've got a lot of stuff from Florida. We'll probably do more from Florida next week, simply because it's a target-rich environment. And if you don't know, you can Google Florida man. And then just see what comes up after that. And trust me, Florida man has done everything, everything. Uh, Anyway, so for those of you that don't know, we're not just picking on the southern states for any particular reason. It just so happens that Tracy and I are both from southern states. And that's a little bit of a tradition in the south is you make fun of the city or the county or the state next to you. And so that's kind of what we're doing. And I happen to have a lot of jokes around that stuff. Uh, from growing up in Georgia, but it's nothing personal to people in Florida or Alabama or Tennessee or anywhere else. Uh, it's definitely personal to the people in Dallas <laughs> because hey. that's where Tracy's from. Anyway. <laughs> we, 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 we uh, make fun of Oklahoma. That's all we got in Dallas. Yeah, in see, a little bit of Arkansas. That. Oh yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, Arkansas would make sense. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that too. Mm-hmm. Do you guys make fun of uh, New Mexico? No, because you know what? Nothing goes on in New Mexico. Yeah, that's true. Plus, it's like it's 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 a big desert. You know, Texas is half. It's it's two states. It's you know the east side and the west side, the left side and the right side, and the west side pretty much goes almost to the Lord, almost to Mississippi. Um, but so it's like the eastern third and the western two thirds, from what I've noticed, and that's referred to bit. as West Texas. Yeah, yeah, West uh, Texas. It's different out there. Yeah. It's a, it is, and that's a different vibe. part of the state yeah. for sure. But. Mm-hmm. So New Mexico being way out there, that would make sense. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm rambling here. So coming back to our game. Um, yeah, these are going to focus on Florida, man. Nothing personal towards Florida, but you guys, like I said, target rich environment. Mm-hmm. So a Baptist minister in Pinellas County, Florida, encouraged his congregation in July to carry a gun at all times for protection from COVID. <laughs> Seriously. I'm Police say... learned this. Oh, I'm wait. not through yet. Okay. Police learned this because... They arrested three adults, that's two men and a woman, who were brandishing handguns at a Tampa restaurant when they were told that they could not enter the restaurant without a mask on. Uh, I'm going to say false on that. Yeah, that's that's correct. It is false. I made that one up. It took a while. (laughs) (laughs) It took a while to think that one up. Oh, my God. It did. Well, you know what? That was a spinoff of a headline I saw somewhere that was uh, it was back with Hurricane Irma. Uh, where a handful of people were arrested for brandishing their guns and attempting to shoot Hurricane Irma. Because that everybody knows guns. that works. Yeah. I don't think they're the first to do that. You know, the, the whole idea of <laughs> they do it in tornadoes, like Alabama. They do it in tornadoes. They, they shoot tornadoes. Like, Bring it on. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next story. A Florida man attempted to rob a bank last month. He was dressed in Bermuda shorts and a gray hoodie and entered the Heritage National Bank in Dade County carrying a four-foot live alligator. He placed the alligator's head on the teller's countertop and demanded the money, get this, be placed in the reptile's mouth. No way. No way. (laughs) Why why would you not believe that? No one's going to care. For one, no one can carry a four-foot alligator without getting hurt, I don't think. Well, sure, you carry him like a, I don't know, like a spear with this, you know, mouth well, out in front of you or thing. something you dress in cargo pants and a hoodie sometimes so are you sure that this wasn't just just something that you might have done bermuda shorts oh not the cargo shorts okay That's so the guy's wearing much jams so he's wearing jams yeah. is what he's wearing what could be that yeah i was thinking more like those mattress things with the pleats that you only find in Dade County. But yes, this story is false. I didn't make that one up too. So we'll jump on to the next one. We'll see how, see if I can stump her somewhere. I haven't, I haven't gotten very far. It's I'm 0 for 2 here. Florida police officer, officer accused a Fort Myers Burger King employee of putting dirt in his hamburger. He ate all but the last bite before realizing the problem. And once he did, he took to Facebook with his complaint, which received over 20,000 shares across social media. No, no, that is that. Well, that could be true. I don't know. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say true. I think it happened. It did happen. You nailed that one. You are three for three on this one. Whoa. Okay. So here, here's my problem with this though. I don't think his palate was that developed. Like you don't get to the last bite and then decide something's wrong with it. I don't, I don't think, you know, I think somebody could make the argument that if you're eating Burger King, you're not going to know if there's dirt in there. Well, it could be. Yeah. 
It could be. Or it could I mean, be they that, got special uh, sauces. They got all these toppings. How would you even be, know there's they dirt? Could be, they could be having that Beyond Meat stuff. Have you had that? That that actually nope. that tastes just like a burger. It is nope. shockingly burger Have like. you had it? You've had yes. the special? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The I miracle spoke, meat, right? I spoke at the Bowling Proprietors Expo, mm-hmm. and uh, the... Uh, Beyond meat people were there giving out samples because they want them. They wanted it all in bowling alleys. I got to tell you, I could not tell if they had not told me that it was not a burger. I would not have known. Well, now, does a burger really even have that much taste to it? Apparently it does because the beyond meat people nailed it. Because here's my hypothesis is mm. that the, the meat generally like the burger or it could be mm. the chicken or it could be the, you know, whatever it is. Um, so most of those meats really don't have a flavor to them. That's why everything tastes like chicken. They're really just like a sauce delivery vehicle. Well, there's so the that. chicken is really just like a barbecue sauce delivery vehicle is all it is. The burger is all about the stuff you put on. Nobody eats a burger just like a plain burger. And there's somebody does that, but it wouldn't have any flavor to it. It would just taste like, I don't know. Um, like a burger. It soybean, tastes like a burger without ketchup. Meal, That's what it tastes yeah. like. Yeah. Anyway, but um, anyway, so how did they uh, figure out that this, did they get to the bottom of this case? Fort Myers Police Department reviewed the surveillance video of the kitchen the day the officer received his meal and determined that absolutely nothing inappropriate happened to the food. Huh. Well, so his buddies had to come in and look at the video. <laughs> I, I bet he heard about that for a while. <laughs> well, you got to be careful, man. These food service folks, they, they have you where they want you. Like they will do anything to your food. You got to be nice to them. That's for sure. So that brings up an interesting question. You're in a restaurant. You uh, let's say it's a mid-grade restaurant, like a three-star. Uh, you order a meal. You're, you're not satisfied with the meal in some way or another. Do you send it back to the kitchen for repair or do you just send it back and say, Nope. Don't want anything. Take it off the bill. Mm. I usually go for repair if possible. Okay. And you're not worried about uh, the the stereotypical French chef back there being incensed that you would not approve of his food. Then he's going to do something to your food now and drop it on the floor and then pick it up. And I don't know. Mm, uh, whatever they do in French. Hit it no. with some French dressing. I don't think so. I like to think the best of people. I mean, besides that, I do have a crime podcast. I do think people are actually pretty reasonable and good. So, well, um, with this crime podcast, I imagine we're, we're going to get you jaded soon enough. <laughs> Probably so. And speaking <laughs> of which I need to get to the interview. So Alex, it's been fun. I got other things to do. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'll go back to my place in the background and make sure all this sounds good. Good luck with the interview. <laughs> Thanks. Private investigator Michelle Stewart visits truth, lies, and cover-ups today. We'll talk open source intelligence tools anyone can use to find someone and track their behavior. She'll reveal her techniques for social engineering and how you can use three emotional hooks to get anyone to do anything for you. I love that. And what's most interesting are the questions she won't answer. You got to listen to this one. Enjoy. Michelle. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me. Now, we both spoke, I think, at the ACFE conference. Yes. Um, and or the, uh, the Central Ohio conference. And that and that's the Certified Fraud Examiners Conference. I did not get to listen to your um to your talk, but I know it was super highly ranked and um they couldn't talk enough about you. So I was like, I have to get you on the podcast. Now, um you're uh 
really your your focus is open source intelligence, or at least yeah. a lot of what you help people with. So um, now you are a private investigator, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a licensed private investigator. Okay, okay, cool. So let's talk, I'm gonna turn it over to you to do a better introduction than what I just okay. did. So let us know, who are you? What are you up to all day, most days? This is when you always want to say, um, I like long walks on the beaches. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my background is uh, I've been actually doing investigations for 30 years and just aged myself right in front of you. And um, the first 10 years of my career, honestly, was a lot of economic fraud, financial fraud investigations. Mm -hmm. Back then, if you remember or if our listeners remember, um, there was a lot of receiverships. There was a lot of savings and loans that were going into receivership. There's a lot of failures. Yeah, the 80s. And it was back in the days when we actually had the RTC was still around. It was failing mm -hmm. right at that point. So 10 years I did economic fraud, financial fraud investigations, but I got kind of tired of it. And um, 20 years ago, I started watching the internet. And the internet's been around a lot longer than that. But I started watching how sources started developing. And um, from then on, for about the last 20 years, I've been training uh, open source intelligence. So utilizing informational sources off the internet to help identify association, movement, location, anything else. Um, but primarily what I work with is about, I want to say 80% law enforcement, military intelligence mm -hmm. and 20% co corporate sector. Wow. Okay. Because I have in my notes that you teach classes that the public can't come to now. Normally. Yes. I yeah. mean, there are times where, uh, the public classes that I teach are normally a digital safety online and mm -hmm. especially for predator grooming. So I created a program with Homeland security, um, out of Pennsylvania called kids safety in the digital age. So mm -hmm. those are my public ones when I'm teaching women how not to be cyber stalked, domestic violence uh, victims mm -hmm. on how to try to hide their uh, location or identity or just their personal information and then kids safety. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk about the stuff that you can't teach the public, at least for a minute, because, <laughs> because why not? Um, so what do you do? And I assume you're just training law enforcement when you, when you do that. And you're talking about tracking movement from, from people and maybe even some behavior profiling online and things yeah. like that. You can, yeah. and you don't have to share all of it, but I'm just so curious. Can you like fill us in a little bit on, on how, uh, how our law enforcement is is doing that now because because it, it's kind of like a moving target right um it with, is with new new things coming out so what do you think well uh, you know it's it's anything really in any investigation it could be human trafficking it could be drug trafficking it could be a fugitive locate it could be counterterrorism. um and you know this more so than anything i mean you know here we are right now on a podcast people are technologically savvy Mm -hmm. And so now people are utilizing social media and we always have those people and, oh my gosh, Tracy, you know, this, it, it, they verbal vomit, even though they know somebody <sighs> might be, you know, investigating them or mm -hmm. watching them or anything, they cannot stay off social media. And it's the same thing with our phones, you know, our movement of our phones, but it's, you know, it's just taking these sources and trying to identify where that individual is, um, obviously for the purpose of an arrest. Um, it could be, you know, identification of a movement of a large uh, organizational uh, criminal organization. So mm -hmm. let's say you have, um, you know, a uh, identified pimp and we're trying to identify all the victims of that particular pimp or a larger atmosphere of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So and again, a lot of this predator grooming, a lot of this advertising for, you know, for our, our victims 
is via social media. So this is a large part of what I train. And so, when it comes so to hang the on, hang fraud, on. it's the same. Hang on one second. So you use this word a couple times and I let it go the first time, the second time, not letting it go. Um, predator grooming. Can you define that just a little bit? Well, predator grooming is how our children are being contacted by predators. Okay. So predator grooming is very easy. Something simplistically of asking them, how's their home life? And all of a sudden they open up this tidal wave of how mm-hmm. horrible something is at, you know, at their home because they can feed into that, right? Mm-hmm. That emotional tie. Um, they start doing uh, and presenting them with presents or um, giving them online points for gaming, so forth. So predator grooming is getting that child or it could even be, you know, an adult, but it's, we're talking really more so on children right now. Mm-hmm. It's getting that child to have a tied type of relationship with them. And, and then grooming that and making it bigger and more oh, subjective okay. to their needs. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then um, how, how are you, how are you like when you're working with law enforcement, how, what are you doing with them? Um, I am training them on how to utilize these sources, how to, mm-hmm. how to properly search social media, mm-hmm. how to be able to identify the correct social media or the correct technique into locating that. And, and the thing about the internet, it's very fluid, right? Mm-hmm. It's constantly moving. And so that happens obviously with our sources too. So a source that we could have today, that could be something fabulous in the sense of uh, being able to run maybe a locational data on Snapchat through the open map um, might be gone tomorrow. So it's taking these sources, taking it to law enforcement. Um, and it's not even just law enforcement. Obviously we met through the corporate uh, emerging trends. So that corporate fraud, it's the same thing. We're utilizing those same sources. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do is I train law enforcement. I train our corporate sector on how to utilize these sources that you and I can go to just by click of our fingertips and finding that information that's needed. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so let's get in. Like, let's, let's say, um, what would be something simple I might want to do? I don't know. Find out what my husband is doing at any particular moment. Now he, he's a super nice guy. No problems to report. Unless maybe there are that I'm not finding because I don't know your sources. So um, how would I check up on him? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that everybody's like, oh my God, what is she going to say right now? I know. Um, I, I'm so curious. You know, it's, it's, God, I hate those because domestics is one of the worst. I don't like to work because there's so much an emotional enta- entanglement involved mm. in that. And there's so many levels of hurt, right? Because it's not just you checking on your husband. Now, if you have kids, it's just a, an enormous amount of tangled web. And so when it gets to those things, I really hate, but, uh, you know, very easily, the one is the, the biggest way of, of any movement tracking is obviously our, our digital devices. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't want to say anything publicly in this sense, because there are things that you can do. You can Google this yourself, mm-hmm. um, how to track someone's cell phone, right? And, and there's so many different avenues on that. But, um, you know, let's get away from that tracking that individual because I work with domestic violence and, and that's like teaching a domestic violence individual, if they were to unfortunately hear this, how to find their person. And so I'm very careful. That's why I don't like to do a lot of public trainings. Um, just in the sense that I always have to consider who might be listening to a podcast or who might be listening to a video, um, because, we don't know where that end source Got is. It. And you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm yeah. really careful on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that is totally understood. So um, what, what's like your next best tip? <laughs> <laughs> my next best tip. Yeah. My next best tip is 
um, really understanding our social media uh, privacy terms and conditions, uh, the applications that you're putting on your phone. That to me in a, in a public situation is probably one of the most important things that I could mm -hmm. drill into everybody's mind. These are little miniature devices. They're right, they're little miniature computers. And all of those applications that we're putting on our devices, whether it be onto our computers or whether onto our phone, has a certain amount of permissible purposes. Sure. And, and I know, Tracy, you've seen it where, where somebody will just say, you know, download and not read, you know, anything. Um, it'll give them all these privacy things and they do it with programmings. They mm -hmm. do it with their applications. And boom, now there's a huge ton. I mean, look at TikTok. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I could lecture you for, for days on TikTok. And, you know, that is one of the biggest, most aggressive uh, applications out there that is really taking a lot of information from our devices so, and so not going it, to the correct individuals. You're right? calling it aggressive. So yeah. can you dive into that a little bit? Well, anything aggressive to me is, is an application that's taken personalized information from you. And I'm not just saying your IMEI number or your phone number that's associated to it, or maybe even your email address that you mm -hmm. provided right, to be able to get into that. Um, we're looking at the, the ability to grab passwords, um, sometimes read text messages, oh, incoming wow. and outgoing, mm -hmm. look at file folders. Um, there's, you know, uh, the flashlight app, one of the flashlight apps had a yeah. big uh, uh, white paper written about it, which it actually turned on, had the ability to turn on your video, your audio, um, and your camera at any given time oh. without the user's knowledge or confirmation. So you have these applications that people are putting on their phones and they don't realize the abundance of the of what you've just done, those permissible purposes to your phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And think about this real quick. Okay. If you have something that is very invasive, um, an invasive application, and now you're doing mobile banking, are you really in a, in a uh, encrypted situation? The application between you and your bank is absolutely, mm -hmm. right? But what you've done to your phone is you don't know how badly you've uh, compromised that device. And now all these passwords can be gathered. So you have to be very careful with what you're doing. Okay. So um, I, and I'll just, I'm just going to be real honest. I do not have a password on my phone because I don't hang on because I use my, I realize I use my phone all the time, like just all, all the time, you know, for work. So, but I also don't do um venmo or uh what's the other one on there Cash app. yeah do that but i do my banking but i have one of these um things one of these okay. things so mm -hmm. i have a code that changes every minute what apps should i take off my phone that could possibly be compromising my bank account or since i have the little key fob does it matter um, well, the key fob, what that's doing is it's actually changing your passwords for you, right? right. Or it's, it's, it's doing that. So um, what we have to look at is um, those those applications. First of all, what kind of phone do you have? Do you have an Apple or do you uh, have Apple, an yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm a fan of Apple just because they do have a stricter uh, type of security. Now, the one thing I'm going to say before I get slammed by somebody is nothing is 100% secure, right? You're okay. going to have your Android's lovers you're going to have your Apple lovers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tend to prefer Apple devices. So when it comes to, uh, let's look at Android real quick. Okay. If you were to Google uh, banking Trojans and or applications that have banking Trojans or malware infections, you're going to see a high percentage of that 
really associated to the Android platform. Oh, huh. And where that comes across is because of the way that applications are um, regulated on those different type of platforms, how they're vetted, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to an application, what application should you remove? I can't really tell you exactly which one because applications can become infected with malware after being placed onto a phone also, oh, right? Wow. Because okay. there might be something security wise within the application that has a compromise. Mm-hmm. So, but one of the big ones that we used to look at, and this is a few years back and it's still running, is flashlight apps, flashlight, anything that's very um, popular. Like that's why I bring TikTok, TikTok up. TikTok mm-hmm. um, has been associated with the CCP, right? Gone back with Chinese affiliation. Mm-hmm. And so I always get the people say, well, who cares about, you know, the Chinese, they can have whatever I want or whatever mm-hmm. they, you know, they have on me. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that is first of all, that's not a very smart um, decision, but the problem with that, Tracy, is now you and I are in somebody else's phone. And I personally don't want to have my stuff compromised. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look at the apps that have very um, large types, again, of permissible purposes. But then another point of this is, and the contention that I have, is how do we know that the developers are telling us all the permissible purposes of an application? Well, the Chinese aren't. I'll tell you, I'll tell you Oh, that. no, of course. Neither are the Russians. When we're done, I'm taking TikTok off my phone. I'm just letting you know that right now. Oh, my gosh. And I can send you so many things about TikTok. Mm-hmm. And okay. Well, you won't have to because I'm taking it on my phone. So, okay, good. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, now, when you're doing human trafficking, uh, maybe drugs, even like counterterrorism, I know you said you were doing that. Um, hang on. I got to get my cam. What's my camera doing here? Yeah, you just went a little blurry on me. No, hang on. Here we go. There you go. There. there you go. I'm back. I'm back. Look at magic tricks. Isn't it? All right. So um, what, what are you doing with like counterterrorism, drug stuff, human trafficking? Because, you know, there, there's some common threads to all of those. Um, how, how are you researching your, I guess, um, I guess uh, people who may be up to no good? And okay. Well, how are you using it? Let's take counterterrorism off the table because that's not something, again, I'll speak in a public. Okay, yeah, we're not talking about that. I'm scratching it off the list. Yeah, scratch that off. Okay. Um, But let's look at um, anything to do with law enforcement investigations. So again, it's taking the ability of taking, just say, let's just, all I have is your name. Or Mm -hmm. even let's just say this. Let's say I have an address from you from 20 years ago. Okay. okay? Or a phone number from you from 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have. Now, a lot of times you'll hear somebody, and especially when we're even doing corporate fraud investigations, Mm -hmm. well, this is all I have on the individual. It's like a seven-year-old address or a seven-year-old email address. The fact of the matter is old is gold. I'll say it all day long. I say it in all my trainings. Old is gold. Because the world of the internet is an interconnecting system. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how old something is. We can manipulate that into a search to give us current information. Like one of the sites that are out there, um, I could throw your name in it. And again, I want to be careful because, you know, I don't want to have somebody do this to you, mm-hmm. but I could throw your name in there um, or an address from when you grew up with your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And I will have where you're sitting right now within seconds. Really? And Yeah. And so, and this is all open source. Anybody can utilize these sources. So we have to learn as individuals too, again, mm-hmm. on how we can t- control some of that digital footprint. But that digital footprint is out there. And, and 
let's say again, I'm looking at you. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm looking at you. It could be anybody associated with you now mm-hmm. that allows me to see their footprints that ties me back to you. Oh, so, wow. So that really is connected. Cause, cause. Mm. Cause I always <laughs> give myself an example. In my class, you know, if you had seen it, the people who are watching this or listening mm-hmm. to it, probably mm-hmm. if they have seen me speak, um, I usually profile myself because I don't want to put anybody else in danger. Okay. And enough. so I take an address or a phone number that I haven't been associated to in 23 years. Mm-hmm. That just disconnected it, never had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And in less than five seconds or the speed of the internet, mm-hmm. you will have where I'm sitting here talking to you right now. Oh because my that's how old infiltrates and stays really important to my investigation uh-huh. because of all that interconnectivity. Wow. Now, can you say what site that is? You need to leave that off too. Um, no, you can do a lot of people know true people search. It's just one. Um, there's others that I like a lot more out there, but true people search is one of the ones that are out there that can help you and assist you in locating uh, information on an individual. And this is not only just on you, this is also going to be where it cascades or waterfalls mm-hmm. into family race relations, associational relations, old email addresses, physical addresses, phone numbers, et cetera. Oh, wow. So they got everything. Oh, dang. Um, very rarely am I speechless on this podcast, but just, <laughs> I think you got me, Michelle. All right. So, um, Let's talk about uh, like profiling and and because because we had some notes uh, at least from my I have some notes from our talk where um, you were talking about like how to kind of profile people's behaviors and how they act online and what that might lead to in the real world. You want to talk about that a little bit? Okay, so one of the things I talk about behavioralism is that behavior outside the norm, right? So if I'm looking for somebody and this person is very active on Facebook or very active on Instagram or Twitter, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there is quiet, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's behavior outside the norm. Something Mm -hmm. is associating that particular uh, individual into being quiet. Mm -hmm. Either now they're paranoid because they think they're being watched, right? Mm Or, um, you know, they are maybe trying to trick us into believing that they're um, not active anymore, or maybe they're moving or whatever the situation is. So I look for that behavior that isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, my son, here's a perfect example. Okay. When he was going to go to college and um, I used to watch his Twitter a lot. Right. And um, I was uh, traveling and I pulled up, I got to a hotel late, late one night. And I pulled up my computer, turned on, uh, you know, went to his Twitter account Mm -hmm. and he was very proficient when he was in high school. He was always tweeting. Well, that particular day, which was on a Friday night, um, no tweets that day. Now in the mind of an 18 year old kid, they're going to think, well, mom and dad sees this. They're going to think that nothing's going on. It's a boring day in the neighborhood. Right now to me, that was a huge indicator that something was going on. Yeah. That he wasn't being truthful, which he wasn't. And he was having a huge party. (gasps) Um, but, uh, which I found out not through him, but through friends, Uh that's what that whole associational movement of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but that was behavior outside the norm. So a lot of times if they do something, they think it makes us think something else, but it actually tunes me into something that shows me that they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. or they're avoiding something. So that's what the behavior is. Wow. So 
um, what's the biggest thing that you found with using the behaviorism? Was it this party or have you used it like in a fraud case or in, uh, in another kind of case that you've worked on? Oh my on? gosh. I've done it in fraud cases. One of the ones that I always laugh about, um, was a case and this is several years ago. And I always talk, all right, first of all, there's three things, three emotions that people could be manipulated by. Okay. okay? And number one, and, and, and this should be something that all of us understands. It's used in all kinds of, look at ISIS, we'll use this, is fear. Fear is oh, the yeah. number one denominator. If you know you can do anything to anybody if you make them afraid of you or the situation, Yeah. right? The second one is love and compassion. Mm-hmm. People want to help people. That's what, you know, normally, normally people are kind and they do want to assist. Mm-hmm. And the third is greed and curiosity. Those are the really big three emotions that allow us, and especially in investigations, um, to kind of skill ourselves. So Mm -hmm. there was a a tax attorney years ago, owned a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so he started running. Well, he didn't really have the conversation of why he had to uproot his wife because he had ripped off a lot of a lot of people. Right. And so they end up moving. And, um, and I think he finally had to tell her what was going on because they moved several times. Oh, okay. And so, but during this move, they were changing their names. Oh. And it took me a few months of chasing down leads and on her because she wasn't as paranoid as he was. He didn't want to go to prison, mm-hmm. right? And she just wanted to keep living her life. And so throughout all these little leads that I had, and I can't remember because like I said, it was years ago, but there was this one thing that I found, and it was part of her middle name that was being used. So let's say hypothetically Elizabeth, and she was using Liz. Okay. And so I ended up tracking this particular woman, uh, this name down, and I thought that I had the right person. So what I did is I worked on one of those three things. And the Mm -hmm. first thing that I knew that I was going to go after was greed and curiosity. So I went after her in the sense that I just gave a phone call. Um, you know, I said that, um, I was with the company and that I was sending out a package to her and, um, but I was really confused because I don't think I had the right person. And I said, so you're social engineering right now. Yes. Okay. And, um, and this, like I said, is years ago. So let me preface this. And, um, I worked on that, that part of her greed. And finally I said, well, okay, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I'm so sorry. I bothered you. And she's like, wait, 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 just a second. And then she goes, well, what is it? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't really see what's in the package. I said, I just know it's an insured package. And then she's like, all right, well, don't tell anybody. Don't tell my husband, but that's me. And that's how I ended up finding her. And it was working on a behavior. I knew she wanted something because her behavior before was she was very, um, she spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so her husband, who was, you know, bringing in a lot of money illegally, mm-hmm. um, she was spending it as fast really as he was making it. So I knew she probably still had that same behavior. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I went after that green curiosity. And that's how I identified that I had the right person. And then once I identified that it was her, then I'm able to use all these open sources, find the social media that she now had under that name, um, turn it over to law enforcement, where we now had the capability of utilizing court ordered warrants, search warrants and so forth. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that was just an example again of, of how to utilize someone's behavior, knowing that she was a shopper and then following a the little cookie trail. till I thought why well, I found somebody and then I was able to verify it was her. 
Oh, wow. Um, that's crazy. Now, um, how else have you used these tools? Cause I know, I mean, you've been at this a long time and, uh, like what are some of the bigger cases you've worked on bigger stories that, that you have to tell that, that I know some of them you probably can't tell, yeah. um, but some of them you can, or you can get close to some cool information. Well, here's the thing with me. I'm kind of the puzzle maker, right. Mm-hmm. Or the puzzle piece person is if I, if I work a full case, um, it's going to be usually for insurance fraud investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I'm doing a government case, which that's going to be off our table. But um, I would say probably one of the funnest I did in the sense of from uh, having just one little piece of information and then mm-hmm. taking it through, multiplying it mm-hmm. through multiple identities. So I had an individual that was supposedly hurt and did a multi-million dollar insurance case oh. and claim. And uh, his main Facebook, he was always in bed and he was unable to do anything. And and, you know, the boohooing and, and, but then I found through all going through his open public. Okay. The one thing I always say is do not friend people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, very great source. If you're, if you're conducting an investigation on somebody, you use what we can see publicly. Cause if it okay. goes to trial, we want to make sure that we have not stepped over that line of privacy. Oh, wow. And um, so I saw a nickname, somebody called him just going through that open public one. Mm-hmm. So I ran that nickname. I did a Google search on the nickname and sure enough, I found a username. Now to me, a username is the social security number of the internet. If you call me and you give me somebody's okay. um, social security number, what, what's good with that? Obviously our databases. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you know, if it's being sold in the, in the dark web, maybe I can grab it, but primarily the username is really going to be the most important tool for me. Mm-hmm. So I end up finding his, um, his nickname and then a username associated to that nickname. So then I ran with that. And when I did that, I ended up finding, cause he would trick his, his username into let's say big boy, one twenty three. Okay. Then he would have big underscore boy, one twenty three. big boy, underscore one twenty three. underscore big boy, one twenty three. Do you see what he's doing? Yeah. So yeah. he's changing one little piece of that username, but they were all him. And so then I ended up finding two or three Facebook accounts um, that he was, oh my gosh, it was so funny. It was like the two weeks before trial, um, he had hiked this huge volcano and, um, and, and skied down it. What is it when they do one ski? Monoski or snowboarding? Snowboarding. Okay. And you can tell I never done it. And, um, and he snowboarded (laughs) that he was an extreme athlete Uh and snowboarded, took this huge leap off this big rock landed. They had all these videos. And, but right before he left for that, he made sure that he took a video of him in bed, sick and not able to move on his real Facebook. So I was able to find all these multiple Uh social media accounts under his nicknames and other usernames. And they were him. I mean, it was videos of him and his Uh girlfriend was in it. His friends were in it. And it ended up being this great case. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. So then was, was it like a, um, like a worker's comp type case or, or personal injury? He personal said he got, injury. he got, he wasn't an accident. He definitely wasn't an accident. Um, but it was, it wasn't anything that probably would have given him more than, you know, a sore neck the next day. Uh-huh. And there was very minimal damage. Um, and, uh, you know, and he, but he claimed that being that he was young, he was in his mid twenties. His attorney was claiming that the boy would never live up 
to his, uh, you know, his ability to make maybe the money that he could have because now he was bedridden. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the really thing on that too was before the snowboarding, two weeks before that, he was in the hospital with a broken arm because he did extreme mountain biking where they bike on those really narrow trails. Yeah, single and track. And so he had fallen over the mountain and he had, I mean, he was banged up. His face was scratched up, mm-hmm. his legs and everything. He had a broken arm. And again, this was all on all this other social media. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Now, but he made sure when he took that video that day or a photograph, the blanket was pulled way up on his, on his neck. And wow. he was so bruised up. Yeah. Huh. Now, what percentage of your cases are like the kind where you're, I don't know, just guys sitting out somewhere or sending people out, following people versus just seeing what's online? Like, have you seen that? Like, what, what's your percentage now? And have you seen that shift over time? Or tell me about that. Um, you know, 99% of my cases are computer based. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have insurance companies that uh, need uh, surveillance, I normally have two or three guys that, you know, I'll have that put out there. But honestly, for me, everybody knows that my skill set is computers. Mm -hmm. And so that's 99% of my work. So um, I don't really see that shift so much. I think it might have shifted a little bit more so during 2020 because people were stuck at home working. Mm -hmm. Um, So they weren't out doing that, uh, you know, going to the grocery store as much, going out, you know, doing their activities where, there was a lot of video that would have been done or surveillance during that point mm-hmm. that was kind of taken away. And I, mine increased because people were more now, um, online more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about it, everybody look at the, Oh my gosh, look at the percentage of Amazon, right. The, the accounts that went up, the movement, the purchasing. Oh yeah. So you had Amazon, you had food delivery services, mm-hmm. you had telemedicine, right. That oh, like yeah. shot up through the roof. Mm-hmm. So everything became very, uh, central based on our computers and our online type of personalities and activities compared more so to those surveillances. So you almost had more info on all of us during the pandemic than, than ever b- before. It did. It became yeah. a lot more active. Not that the work became more active because now you had people who weren't working anymore either. Uh-huh. Right. So you have this whole waterfall effect. Now mm-hmm. I stay busy. I'm blessed. But um, you did see some of that drop off because now you had corporations mm-hmm. that didn't have the staff capability of following through on a lot of that stuff. But mine, yes, definitely was more picked up in the sense of trying to figure out what people were doing because of what they were doing online. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So um, let's talk social engineering. You're good at it. Um, and in social engineering, it's just creating a response um, out of people like just using your intelligence and wits and, and, um, social skills. So, uh, what's, what's the most interesting, um, time that you've used it uh, to get a piece of information from, from people? Was it this, I have a package thing or is it something else? Well, you know, gosh, there's so much, you know, my first 10 years was really a lot about social engineering, Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't have data systems. We didn't have the sources that we have today, right. right? So a lot of our investigations was really done by social engineering. Social engineering for me as an investigator has changed uh, drastically mm-hmm. in the sense that social engineering now I'm looking at, and I'm training corporations on how people utilize that information that our listeners that you put out on yourselves and how we turn that into something that we can now utilize to either get into their corporations. Think about this. And I talk about social engineering now on a different level because COVID has created a huge fear sector. 
Mm-hmm. And regardless if you believe in COVID or if you don't believe in COVID sure. or everybody knows that it exists, but whatever your status is and your beliefs on it, I can take a company with, let's say, 100 employees. And even though every single person has been told not to click links, you can shoot something their way with COVID uh, cure or new COVID vaccinations mm-hmm. or uh, the new variant. Let's really scare people, right? right. And um, somebody's going to click a link. And so now that's considered a social engineering, right? But think about this. And because I know you have one, I have one, LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I tell everybody, I don't know why anybody linked, uh, has one. I actually had to create a LinkedIn for one of my contracts. I never mm-hmm. had LinkedIn. I didn't, I still don't want to really have to link it mm-hmm. because what that does is it's a stepping stone to get information, not only about you, but now to drop your name into trying to get more information either about somebody you work with or a corporation you work with. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot of sources that are out there that provides, especially marketable data, right? Um, or scraping sites that now provide individuals' names, their email address, their phone numbers, their job positionings. That gives us an abundance of data now for somebody who is skilled in social engineering to utilize that information now to further that position where they're trying to go or information they're trying to collect. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, um, have you ever done the kind of social engineering where you end up... um sneaking into a business or something like that and seeing how, seeing how open they, they really are. Oh yeah. Um, I think one of the funniest ones, instead of doing the business, cause I don't want to get a company in trouble. Okay. Fair enough. Because I've, I've been hired by companies to see if I can mm-hmm. um, enter into their building. And, um, and I have, and I don't want to say how I've done it because then somebody else will do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll give you a personal one that I thought was pretty funny. Okay. So again, it's, there's behavior that we're mm-hmm. going to do with this, right? For the in- engineering, the social engineering. So um, when Phoenix had their first Super Bowl in town, mm-hmm. there was a particular bar restaurant that was having a private Super Bowl party, right? Okay. With the players. And me and my two friends, we wanted to, they wanted to go and they're like, Michelle, will you try to get us in? And, um, <laughs> you know, cause I'm that person. Uh-huh. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's try. So we pull up and first thing there is a line, I mean, around the building, it's like mm-hmm. hours long. So I walk up to the door, man. I don't even remember what I said to tell you the truth. And I got us in. Uh-huh. And so everybody's screaming and booing us and blah, blah, blah. Right. But we're getting into the restaurant and, oh, that's what I did. I said, I don't really care about the NFL. I don't care about the players. I don't care about the party. I just wanted to get into the restaurant. Um, I know everybody else is for the bar, right? Well, the bar and the restaurant are connected. So there really wasn't uh, a way for them just to stop people going in the bar Mm -hmm. because the private party was at the back of the bar. So by getting us into the restaurant, got us into the bar. Uh So now when we get into the bar, I'm like, okay, so this is what we're going to do um, is um, I need to kind of fi- figure out who some of the uh, who some of the guards are. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hit the front guard. I don't want to hit the back guard because those are heavily guarded areas. Mm-hmm. So I look for the weak link and um, I find out the guard, the first guard's name. And I'm talking, I'm chatting him up and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're just here for the restaurant. This must suck. You have so many people here. And what's your name? You know, hey, I'll get mm-hmm. you a beer after you get off work. I get his name because now I'm going to drop his name to the next guard, right? Oh, okay. And, uh, and so I'm doing this and I'm getting the guards names. And uh, so I finally find the guard that, um, that I'm going to utilize as my weak 
point. That you're going to hustle? And, uh, okay. So I walk up to him. Now I have his name. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, uh, I'll just throw names. Bob at the front door uh-huh. um, told me to come back and talk to you. And because um, you had to have a private um, uh, like a ticket, ticket almost yeah. to get into this, this party, right? An invitation. And uh, so I'm dropping the doorman's name. I dropped the second guy's name. So I'm talking to him and he's, you can see he's listening to me, but this is what I did. There is a guy across the first uh, velvet swag, right? Mm -hmm. And he's on his phone. He's a football player. Mm -hmm. And I start yelling, Tony. And his name isn't Tony, right? Uh And I'm like, Tony. And this guy turns around and looks at me like, what? I'm like, baby, he won't let me in. I talked to Bob at the front door and I said, you left and you took the invitation with you. And I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm late because of you. And this guy was perfect. He walked up and he goes, oh my God, I've been on the phone for the last half hour trying to figure out where you were. And he goes, Dave, he goes, she's with me. Dave opens up the gate and uh-huh. lets us right through. Uh-huh. And it was just, you know, it was, because with Dave, I got him to break down his, I got him to hesitate on telling me to leave because I knew other, other people's names. Right. And then thankfully the guy behind it just went with me and just like, oh my God, I've been on the phone for a half an hour trying to find you. And boom, we were into the private party. Oh my gosh, too yeah. good. Now, um, so if that guy hadn't have gone along with you, what was plan B? Um, I think I would have got past Dave. I had Dave where he was like, oh, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, Dave, I don't know what to tell you. I go, if you want me to go grab uh, my boyfriend in there, I'll go grab him and I'll come right back to mm-hmm. you. So I had Dave to the point where I think I would have had him where he would have just un- unbelted. But I just did a notch up and I decided to start screaming at this guy named unnamed Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to figure out what I could have done. I was, so I'm going to pose a a scenario to you. Okay. And and let me know what I should have done. So I was just in, I was, I was at a very, very nice hotel in um, downtown uh, Louisville, 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 Kentucky. Yeah. And um, there's a bridge across it that you have to walk across or you to get to the rooms because I was speaking right or you have to go way around and outside and all this crap and the um the elevators were packed and the hotel wasn't staffed well except for in the one spot where they were they turned this bridge area which was a bar as well into a private party so there's one security guy out there and I, you know how it is when you're done speaking, you're tired, you just want to get to your room and, yeah. and, you know, pack your bag or whatever you do. So I uh, did my best to talk my way into that uh, area, just, just to walk across. No luck. What would you have done? Oh, <laughs> okay. So me, I would have immediately acted like I was having an asthma attack. And that I needed to get to my inhaler that was in my room. Oh my and, and I would have just said, have somebody walk me. I'm promising you, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be in this party. Mm-hmm. I need to get to my room. I can't breathe. Can you please get somebody? I don't care if it's a waitress, walk me through. Uh-huh. That's what I would have done. Wow. <laughs> so, so you would have faked the disease. Okay. <laughs> what, what would well, not a disease? Cause that makes me sound like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just couldn't breathe very well. Um, yeah, so that's what I would have done. Something like that. Okay. So, so because remember out. what I told you three, three emotions, uh-huh. love and compassion is what I would have went after on that. You would have went after love and compassion on yes. that. 
Um, if, if you had been, I can, I can think of a couple more that I don't want to talk about, um, right now, but, uh, <laughs> what, how would you have used fear? Um, fear, I don't like to use in a sense, because you don't know how the other person's going to react. Okay. Um, you know, if it would have been something where, Hey, I just got a phone call it, cause I'm looking at the love and compassion again. Mm -hmm. Um, something's wrong with, you know, somebody that I, I dearly love or something. Um, it, you know, that can cause a fear motivation or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a love compassion motivation, but fear to me is a scary thing to try to enact in somebody because you don't know how that person can deal with fear. Got it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now that person could have reacted wrongly. And now you have a massive situation on your hand that shouldn't be, you know, a situation. A situation. So yeah. the fear I don't like to use unless I'm in a very controlled situation. It's usually going to be on my law enforcement or government side. Um, but, and even then I don't even like to do it because you don't know how somebody else reacts to fear. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's a good tip. So let's get into just, just, um, kind of last thing here, uh, like, uh, maybe specific sites or ways that people can look, look people up that, that you're comfortable saying, cause I know there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't, cause we got a uh, true people search any, any other ways, uh, that people should be watching people. Oh, we got you know, changes in behavior on Facebook, anything else people need to be looking for? Well, you know, one of the things that I always tell everybody when you're trying to do any type of research, whether it be on an individual, it could be a corporation, mm -hmm. um, you know, it could be an organization, it could be a political campaign is, is really Google is your friend. Now, Google to me, um, I, I will step back because somebody out there will say, you don't necessarily like Google. Um, I use Google but I also protect myself because Google, again, is a very large aggregator of mm -hmm. our data and our activity. So one of the things that I would say, instead of just going strictly to a source, is because one thing about sources, too, is I can tell you something today and it's gone tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? So I'd rather give you this technique, okay. is learn proper Google searching. There's, there's things called Google dorking, uh, Boolean search capabilities. Mm -hmm. And there are numerous ways that you can uh, get more specific result patterning for your individual. Mm -hmm. And it's by Google dorking. So here's just a quick example. If I was going to run myself, so instead of running Michelle Stewart, because if you run Michelle Stewart, all you've done is told Google, I need every Michelle, I need every Stewart. Mm -hmm. If I run a phone number, an email address, or a name, always quote that search because now what you're doing specifically is saying i only want michelle stewart mm -hmm. i don't want all michelle's i don't want all the stewards right i specifically need michelle stewart right mm -hmm. another thing that is that a lot of people don't think about is and i talk about this in my classes all the time is weak links so and what i mean by that is if we're looking at a pyramid okay if we mm -hmm. do a pyramid and you have kids on this side you have uh let's say social let's say uh, senior citizens grandma and grandpa over here and mom and dad on the bottom. Okay. Who's the weak link? Probably grandma. Almost all the time. Yeah. Grandma. Kids. Kids. Kids are always the weak link oh. because first of all, kids are now being pushed into technology when they're in grade schools with no understanding of permissible purposes or privacy settings okay. or anything like that. A lot of teachers don't even know what the crap they're doing when it comes mm -hmm. to that. So kids become that weak link. So identifying children unfortunately becomes a huge part of investigations because if you can find out that the individual that we're looking at so let's say we have an individual who's a fraudster um we're not sure where that person lives 
right? We had a zip code. If I go in and I put in 85044, it's a Phoenix zip code. Mm -hmm. And I put in plus high schools. I know your daughter's name. I could take your daughter running through those high schools. And now all of a sudden I find out she plays softball. Now I go to the school's website and I have the sporting tournaments, the sporting schedule. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a very active mom and involved with your kids, where are you going to be? At the, at the basketball game. Yeah. Or the softball game or uh -huh. the soccer game. So it's little things like that, understanding little pieces of how everything's connected and how we can utilize that in our searches. That mm -hmm. is probably the most phenomenal thing because the sources like true people and all these other sites, they come and go. Mm -hmm. but the fact of learning and understanding the analytics of how we can manipulate our Google searches is what now is a better search capability in a lot of situations because it's the same thing on how to find these social media accounts is by doing a site index. So example, quote, Michelle Stewart, quote, right? So Michelle 1L Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T. So quote, Michelle space Stewart, quote, space site, S-I-T-E, colon, twitter.com. What I'm doing is I'm telling Google, I only want you to search Twitter. I don't want the whole- Oh, wow, right okay. And now it's gonna give you people by the name of Michelle Stewart, give you um, the usernames mm -hmm. and then people who are talking about Michelle Stewart. So if I'm trying to break a phone number, right. Or trying to maybe associate that phone number to movement or mm -hmm. associations. I had a drug case, the drug dealer. I could not find his Twitter account. So what I did, I did quote four, eight, zero. I'm making this up space, five, 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 space, one, two, two, one, two, one, two quote space site colon and twitter.com. And that all has a touch. Uh -huh. And I didn't find his or his um, Twitter account, but his friend said, hey, if anybody's looking for some bars, some Xanax, hit my bro up with his cell phone. Now I had a personal connection to my drug deal. Oh, man. Oh, wow. So it's those little tricks that are, to me, sometimes more important than the true source of uh -huh. one site. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what, Michelle? You are just... Like I said, not many people have made me, no one has made me speechless on my own podcast, but you. So people uh, who want to get a hold of you, because you do a lot of keynotes and a lot of yeah. private trainings and a lot of investigations. How do they find you? Um, easy is my email address is Michelle with one L mm -hmm. and because a lot of people spell my name wrong. So it's Michelle one L at Jag, J-A-G investigations with an S.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, my Twitter handle is MSJAGINB, like investigation. So okay. MSJAGINB. And those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I hope you're going to hear from some people because I tell you, um, no one's going to go unfound with you around. Uh, so, so thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.